Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 to 22. I don't think I'm going to read all of it to get us started. I may just read down to uh, verse 16. That may be enough to get us going. We'll cover the rest of the verses in the morning message. I'm very excited about this. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 22. And I think I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. King James Version, I believe. Uh, I have not abandoned the New Living Translation. I'm still down with the New Living Translation. There's just something about the King James Version with this, these past couple of uh, sermons and teachings, uh, just my preference to uh, use for, uh, for this, for this, for today. All right. Amen. Deuteronomy 10. Let me begin at verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God? with all thy heart and with all thy soul to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God the earth also with all that therein is only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them and he chose their seed after them even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. That'll do it for now. That'll, we'll, do, we'll do it with the rest uh, in the message. I want to raise the question today, why is it so hard for me to love you? Why is it so hard for me to love you? Uh, my first enlistment in the Marine Corps was for six years. In exchange for those six years, I was guaranteed promotions at certain times all the way up to E4. And near the end of those first six years, I re-enlisted for another three years. As I approached the end of that second enlistment, I was pastoring a small church in southwest Georgia. So I was seeking God about making my exit from the Marine Corps until they offered me an enlistment bonus if I'd give them at least three more years. I ain't gonna lie, I didn't pray about that too long and hard. I took them upon the offer. Gave them three more off, three more years. I took the oath again and served those three years ready to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I was required to take the oath. I was required to live up to it. I was required to go where the country sent me. Then I was transferred from Albany, Georgia to the Marine from the Marine Corps Logistics Base in Albany, Georgia, to the Marine Corps Mountain Warfare Training Center in Bridgeport, California. It was a requirement. So I understood what it means, I understand rather, what it means to have a certain type of life that is required of you, mandated, demanded. In the military, you sign up for a certain way of life. There are regulations for what you can and cannot wear when you are not in uniform regulations for how to wear your hair, 
how far you can travel when you're off of work each day and, and even on the weekends. Your weight is regulated. There are requirements for everything, your whole life. There is a life God requires of those he has delivered. Look at verse 12 with me if you don't mind. Verse 12, and now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? That word require in verse 12 means, it can mean desire. It has been also translated demand. Uh, it has also been translated request. Uh, it can also be translated beg. But here in the King James is translated required. It's all of that. What kind of life does God require? What doth the Lord thy God require, desire, beg, demand of you? Then the text goes on to say that God requires for us to fear him, be in awe of him, to walk in all his ways where we live for him as we come and go. We obey him in every context of our lives, work, home, everywhere. God requires that we love him, that we, that word means to have an appetite for him, to love him as our father. God requires, it's not optional, it's not something he hopes we would do, but he requires, in addition to fearing him, walking in all of his ways, loving him, he also requires, demands, that we serve him with all our heart and soul, which means to make oneself uh, a servant and serve by labor, to do work as one who is a subject to a superior. He also requires that we keep his commandments. You can't call yourself loving God, worshiping God, but you live the way you want to live. So we have requirements to keep his commandments. And all of this, as Moses would say, is for our good. Is for our good. But Israel wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They would not, they would not stick to it. And why not? Why not? In verse 16, Moses referred to them as stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. In verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. In other words, y'all y'all stop being stiff-necked. Y'all quit. Y'all being stiff-necked and you need to quit. That word stiff-necked means, it means to make difficult. To make to, to make severe, to make burdensome, it means, it means to make stuff hard, to make stiff, to, to be stubborn, to, to show stubbornness. It's a word. It's a word that means to, to make something hard. It's, it can be seen in, in how women uh, have difficulty in, in child labor. I have yet to, I've heard, I've heard one story, one in all my life, of a woman who just gave birth to a child like it was nothing to it. I've never given birth to a child, but my heart goes out to everyone, every woman who has and every woman who will. It means, stiff neck means, it's, it's as difficult, it is as uh, uh, cumbersome as, as a woman giving birth to a child. It means to be difficult, to make stiff, to make stubborn. Are y'all with me today? Uh, in, in other words, Moses told them they make it hard, they make it difficult for them to love God. Why would it be so hard for them to love him? Why would it be so hard for us as 21st century followers of Jesus to love God? Why is it so hard to live as he requires? Why do some of us make it so hard to walk in all his ways? Why, why, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to serve him with all our heart and, and all of our soul to keep his commandments and to love him as the scriptures say 
for our good. Let's be honest, y'all. Let's be honest. Listen, I'm going to be honest. If I'm the only one who feels this way, then I'll, I'll be the only one. But sometimes it ain't easy loving your enemies. Sometimes it ain't easy turning the other cheek. Sometimes it ain't easy blessing them that curse you, doing good to them that hate you, praying for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It ain't always easy forgiving someone 70 times 7 per day. Sometimes it ain't easy loving your wife as Christ loves the church or submitting to your husband who seemingly never has the money or time to do what you want to do but somehow mysteriously finds the money or time when his mama or his little friends need him for something. Ain't that how y'all talk about, ain't that how y'all talk about us? We, we don't have friends. We got little friends. Yeah, we don't have a job. We got a little job. We don't have a side hustle. We got a little side hustle. Yeah, you don't have money or time for me, but when your mama or your little friends need something. Why, why is it so hard? Sometimes it ain't. It ain't easy living up to God's requirements. He's, I mean, after all, he's washed our sins away. He's delivered us from the power and penalty of sin through his son, Jesus Christ. But obedience can still be hard. He has given us his spirit to empower us to live for him. But obedience can still be hard. He has given us his word to hide in our hearts to keep us from sinning against him. But obedience can still be hard. Why is it so hard for me to love God? Let me offer a few things from the text for your consideration. We're going to raise up. Number one, number one, it can be hard to love God when we do not fear him. It can be difficult. It can be hard to love God when we do not fear him. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But here it is. To fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That word fear means it does have us an element of being afraid. It can, it can remind some of us who were afraid to get a whooping from our parents. We were afraid to, to get caught disobeying them. We were afraid of being punished. It, it does have that element in there, but it also entails, that word fear entails reverence, honor. To respect, to be, to be astonished at, at someone or something. So, so, so we are to fear God. We are to have reverence for God. We are to honor, respect, be in awe of God. Godly fear is when, is when who God is and what he does is a big deal to me. This fear, y'all, is important because it is the fuel for a disciplined way of living. Godly fear can fuel Discipline. It can, it can fuel a love for God that can cause us to be disciplined. I'm not going to give the whole movie away. But, but the movie One Night in Miami, great movie. I'd encourage you to watch it. Watch the language. It's a good movie. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where the bodyguards are outside Minister Farrakhan's motel room. Uh, they protected him with their very lives. They stayed on post out of a sense of reverence, not only for their leader, Minister Farrakhan, but also for God, for Allah. There's one scene, though, when, when it was time for prayer as they're standing watch. One guard prayed while the other watched. And then the other guard who was praying began to watch while the one guard went into prayer. That's what fear or honor and reverence in awe looks like. 
It looks like folks who are disciplined, who, who are going to do what God would expect of them to do, even if no one else was watching. It's a sense of reverence, a sense of awe that makes them disciplined. It's time for prayer. We pray. Whether, we're, whether they were actually in the mosque or, or standing outside of a motel room. When it's time for prayer, they prayed. To, to not fear God, to not fear God is to lack in awe of him. It, 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 is, it is to lack in awe of who he is and what he does. It is basically to be undisciplined. And I'm afraid, y'all. I'm afraid that our society is dying from a disease of chronic disorder. Chronic dishonor. Children dishonor their parents. Students dishonor teachers. Citizens dishonor police. People in church dishonor one another. We thrive on entertainment that promotes irreverence and dishonor, especially on reality TV. There's a lack of reverence on social media platforms. Dishonor and lack of reverence is everywhere. And the lack of discipline that follows is sickening to watch. Irreverent disobedience is like a nasty, trashy squatter in a heart vacant of godly fear. It can be hard to love God when we do not fear him, when we do not honor him, when we have no respect for him. Moses gave this generation that's going in to conquer Canaan some reasons to honor God. Let me give them to you real quick. This would, this would be a 1A. We're still on dealing with fearing God. 1, 1A. We should fear God because... He is creator. He is creator. In that 14th verse, that 14th verse, Moses would tell them, Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also, with all that therein is. Heaven and the heaven of heavens, as far as the eye can see, as far as, as rocket ships can explore, everything in the earth belongs to the Lord because he created it. God being creator is a big deal, but we must make it a big deal in our minds and in our hearts. We ought to look at the sun rising from the eastern horizon and declare, look at what the Lord has done. The leaves changing colors in the fall and even returning to green in the spring ought to put a praise on our lips. Look at what the Lord has done. When you're going through a storm, you ought to give God a shout. You've got the whole world in your hands you've got the whole wide world in your hands you've got the whole world in your hands don't sleep on god as our creator i mean after all who else can make jupiter and saturn come into alignment on december 21st 2020 for the first time in 400 years and the first time in 800 years that it happened at night who else can keep the sun shining and just far away enough from earth to keep it from burning us to a crisp, but yet close enough to keep us warm on a warm, sunny, on a warm summer day? Who else can cause everything happening on earth to work together for good for those of us who love him and are called according to his purpose? Nobody but the Lord. He's got the whole world in his hands. So if I were you, I'd honor him simply because he is creator. Every now and then give him a random praise and declare the heaven of heavens is yours, Lord, the earth also and everything in it. You've got the whole world in your hands. Then 1B, 1B, a second reason why we ought fear God is because he chose us. 
He chose us. We should fear God, honor God, be in awe of God because he chose us. I'm in verse 15, y'all. Verse 15 says, only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you, above all people, as it is this day. Moses was telling this younger generation that they belong to God because he chose them to be his own people. He had a delight in their ancestors and chose them of all people to be his own chosen people. Being chosen by God is a big deal. It's a big deal. The apostle Peter understood this. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 from the New Living Translation here. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. This is a big deal, y'all. This is a big deal. God, it shows that God chose them to bless them. He chose them to show them his goodness in verse 9 of 1 of of Peter. And he chose them to show them his mercy in verse 10. Goodness and mercy follow chosen folks all the days of their lives. And if you are among God's chosen, if you are among those he, who he has called from darkness to follow his son Jesus Christ, then that means he chose you to bless you. That's a big deal. I'm telling you it's a big deal. And it's a doggone reason to love him and honor him in response. That's a legitimate enough reason to live for him, to fear him, and to walk in all his ways. Let's be honest, y'all. Listen, let's be honest. Some of us would make a big deal out of being chosen to play on the basketball team representing the U.S. Olympics. Representing the U.S. in the Olympics. Imagine being handpicked to co-star in a film with Denzel Washington. Handpicked to be the opening act on tour with Beyonce. Or chosen to recite a poem or render the benediction at the recent presidential inauguration. Handpicked. Chosen. But we devalue and downplay being handpicked and chosen by God to be his child. We devalue and downplay being handpicked and chosen by God to walk with him and, and talk with him and live as though we're his very own. If I were you, I'd make it a point to every now and then honor God and give him a praise for choosing you. I'm saying we can make it hard to love God when we do not fear God. And we should fear God because he is creator. He chose us. And then Moses gives us a third reason to fear God. We're still dealing with number one. This will be one C if you're taking notes. We should fear God because God don't play. I said God don't play. I know for all my educated folk, I know I should say God doesn't play. But let's talk like how mama and them would say it. And how even some of us say it. God don't play. I'm in verse 17. Verse 17, Moses is saying, God don't play. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. Moses, what are you saying to the generation of, he, of Israel that's going to go in and conquer Canaan? Moses is saying they ought honor God, be in awe of God because God don't play. Look at who he is. He is God of gods. He is Lord of lords. 
He is a great God, a mighty and terrible. In other words, he is strong. He, he is valiant. He is excellent. He, he is mighty. When Moses says he is terrible, he's saying he's one to be afraid of, worthy of honor and respect. In other words, he's one you don't play with. Some folk talking about other people who, who don't play. I've heard some folks say, you may have heard it too. They say, they don't play the radio. In other words, they don't play. Be careful how you talk to them. Be careful how you step to them. They don't play. God don't play. There is no other God who can compete against him because there are no other gods. There are no other lords who can, who can battle with him because there are no other lords. He is God of gods. Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which means he don't play. And when it comes to bullies on the bus, God don't play. If you're dealing with sickness, attacking your child, remember, God don't play. When it comes to being hopeless and or feeling hopelessness and despair, attacking our minds, tell the devil, all right, God don't play. When it comes to battling principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, remember, God don't play. When it comes to being in bondage to Pharaoh, Jim Crow, or any other oppressor, God has proven he don't play. And some of us need to stop playing with our love for him. Love him like you don't play. Fear him like you don't play. Honor him as creator like you don't play. Live like goodness and mercy don't play. Praise him like you don't play. Worship him like you don't play. Quit playing around with your relationship with God and love him the way he requires. Live as if you don't play when it comes to your destiny. You don't play when it comes to your blessings. You live as if you don't play when it comes to your relationship with God. Live. Live and love him the way he desires and requires us to live. That's, that's number one, y'all. Maybe we don't love God the way we ought because we don't fear him. But number two, number two, Moses would tell us it can be hard to love God when we make our hearts off limits. It can be hard to love God when we make our hearts off limits. Look at verse 16. Verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Moses told them to circumcise the foreskin of their hearts because they had made their hearts off limits to God. And just as Hebrew males had, to, had their reproductive organs, organs circumcised, the worshiper is to circumcise the heart, the part of us that reproduces love. Our hearts are to be circumcised. Have, have, in other words, have the stubbornness and rebellion removed so our hearts can birth consistent worship, surrender, and obedience. The stubbornness and rebellion made loving God as hard as a woman in labor giving birth to a child. Don't make your heart off limits to God. Give God access to your heart. Give God VIP access to your heart. Circumcise your heart. Partner with God for a sanctifying circumcision that will remove stubbornness and rebellion and disobedience. Partner with God for a sanctifying surgery that will remove what births a casual type of worship where you only call on the Lord when you feel like you need him to do something for you. 
Sometimes we need a sanctifying surgery to remove what makes us ignore him unless we're in trouble that only he can get us out of. Sometimes we need a sanctifying surgery to remove what makes us devalue him and disregard his will for our lives. We need to get under the anesthesia of his anointing. Allow the scalpel of the word to be hidden in our hearts that we may not sin against him. We need to recover in the recovery room of repentance and turn from our wicked ways. And if we do, if we do, God promise a new heart and a new spirit, a heart of flesh to replace a heart of stone. Let me ask you something. If I may get in your business early this Sunday morning, uh, is this where you are? Is this where you are? Do you need a sanctifying surgery on your heart? Give God access to your heart. And when I talk about the heart, when Moses talked about the heart, Moses was talking about the real you. The real you, the heart where you hide the secrets you keep, the heart, the heart where you hide the pain you keep trying to masquerade, the heart where your real motives are maintained, the, the heart needs to be circumcised for the heart is where your real desires and, and your real, your, your secret desires are stored. Give God access to the you that you may be afraid to face. Give God access to your heart, your heart, to, to the one, to, to the you that you can't hide from him. Yeah, give him access in prayer. Give him access in confession. Give him access by confessing your faults to others. And God will deposit power in your heart that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. God will put power in your heart that causes you to love him as a new creation. And old things passed away and all things becoming new with new desires and new vision and new direction with a new sense of identity in Christ. New freedom from Satan's shackles. New authenticity. New transparency. New boldness. New destiny. New passion for his purpose on your life. You can have it if you give God access to your heart. Then, then Paul, I mean Moses, Moses would tell us uh, a couple of things specific about, about the heart uh, that when, when that's off limits to God. Number, number one, if we had a 2A, if you're taking notes, this is, this is 2A. A heart that is off limits to God is off limits to loving foreigners. I mean, verse 19. Verse 19 says, love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Their love for God was to be displayed in how they treated strangers, Gentiles, in other words, Gentiles outside their nation. They were to love strangers as a demonstration of their love toward God and because of his love toward them when they were foreigners in Egypt. We can really be a trip with how we treat folks who ain't like us. It's amazing how liberals and conservatives treat one another. How black folk and white folk treat one another. How evangelicals and more liberal believers talk about one another. How pro-lifers and pro-choicers pro treat one another. And the list goes on. It's easy to mislabel someone as a foreigner or as a stranger, as they are called in our text, and treat them as if they're a stranger or worse, as if they're strange. Just because I'm different doesn't mean I'm strange. We are to love strangers, or as Jesus taught us, our neighbors. When Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, it was a story with interesting details. A Samaritan, a stranger, a foreigner, someone different and despised by Jews, stopped to help a Jew who had been jacked, hacked, and left to die. 
The Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile, half breeds. As Jesus told the story, he deliberately told it with the person demonstrating love for their neighbor being a Samaritan, a stranger, someone who was different or outside of the Jewish community. This is how worshipers of God and followers of Jesus live. We love strangers, outsiders, folks who are different from us. They, 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 may, they may be Mexicans who crossed the border or, or some other immigrant. Uh, they, they may be strangers who, who may, maybe they're Hindus or, or Muslims or, or maybe even atheists. Or for some of us in the African-American liberal democratic leadings, the stranger might be still wearing a Make America Great Again hat with a Trump flag waving from the back of their truck. We are commanded to love the stranger, the outsider, the person who's different, very different from us. But a heart that is off limits to loving God is off limits to loving foreigners. We'll take their children away from them and put the children in cages. We'll have a thick presence in Washington, D.C. when they march for Black Lives Matter, but take it easy and chill when the patriots come to town and end up seizing the nation's capital. We'll arrest 316 strangers on June 1st, 2020 when they protest for Black Lives Matter and, and arrest only 61 others when they storm the capital on January 6, 2021. May we all claim the, all who claim the name of Jesus love God enough to get over our own biases and prejudices, all of us. Then if there was a to be to this, to, this, to this point, if there was another thing Moses was trying to get them to understand about the heart that's off limits to loving God, it would be that the heart that's off limits to loving God is off limits to cleaving. Off limits to cleaving. I'm in verse number 20. Verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Moses encouraged this generation that's about to go in and conquer Canaan to cleave to the Lord. Cleave. That word in Hebrew means to follow hard, to follow closely. It, it means to stick or, or, or to be joined or, or to pursue, pursue closely. They, they were to stick to God faithfully like slop on a hog. Uh, I want you to picture a man and a woman. This thing of cleaving is like a man and a woman riding in an old pickup truck you know the ones with the old just had one seat no console in the middle separating them uh they the, the, they started the journey with the woman sitting right beside her man with one he got one arm wrapped around her and the other hand on the steering wheel while he's driving but by the time they reached their destination they had made a couple of stops along the way and, and so she, now she was over by the door on the passenger side and just before they got out the truck when they have arrived at their destination they they sat there for a minute with the engine off and the woman turns to her husband and says, uh, and just looks like something is wrong. He looks at her and asks, what's wrong? And she said, uh, why, why is there so much distance between us? And he says, well, there's distance between us because you moved. I didn't move. I've been right here behind the steering wheel the whole time. You're the one who slid over. Sometimes it's like that, isn't it? No matter how long we walk with God, sometimes we can become distant from him, not because of what God, where God is or what God is moving, but sometimes it's us who move away from him no matter how long you walk with God cleave to him follow hard after him pursue him go hard after him no matter how many stops you make along the way to glory and there will be some stops sometimes you have to stop in grief sometimes stop in a discouragement or or sickness can be a stop all types of stops but no matter how many stops you make cleave to God 
Follow hard after him. Pursue him. Stick to God like federal charges would have stuck on black folk if we were the ones storming the Capitol on January 6th. Cleave no matter what. When everything seems to be going wrong and everybody seems to be against you, cleave to God. When they won't stop talking about you, cleave to God. When they hate you and come for you for no reason, cleave to God. When you can't see how you're going to make it, cleave to God. Go after him. Pursue him. Turn up the Spotify and sing to him. Turn up the Pandora and pray to him. Get off of Facebook and face him. Get off of TikTok and talk about how he has cleaved unto you despite your shortcomings and failures. That's why he chose you to cleave unto you and God wants to cleave, wants to cleave to be undecleavable. He wants a cleave that, that cannot be decleaved. I want to know, is there anybody who has an undecleavable relationship with God? Paul said this type of cleaving that's undecleavable means nothing can separate us from the love of God. Be undecleavable with God. Cleave no matter what. That's what someone does when their heart is not off limits to God. Give God all access to your heart. If you walk on your cleaving with the Lord, it won't be so hard to love him and live as he requires. Let me go on and wrap this up. It's time to call it a day. One more thing and I'm out of here. We can make it hard to love God because we do not fear God. We can make it hard to love God because we make our hearts off limits. And thirdly, we can make it hard to love God when we do not appreciate multiplication. When we do not appreciate multiplication. I'm in verse 22. Verse 22. And we about to, we about to wrap this up. God, 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 God says this in verse 22. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. In other words, God caused the population of his, of his chosen people to multiply over the years. When they first went down to Egypt, it was three score and ten. It was around, around 70 of them. Now, hundreds of years later, as they have been set free from Egypt and are on the verge of conquering Canaan, they are as numerous as the stars in the sky. Moses said, watch this in verse 22, the Lord thy God was the reason why. There are so many of y'all out here who are about to go in and conquer Canaan. God caused them to multiply. When Moses told them God caused them to become so big, so numerous, at that moment, all of them should have looked around at how many of them were out in that wilderness and given God some praise. They should have looked at how they've grown to over 2 million people who left Egypt after only 70 had gone in and given God some glory. But they didn't. They didn't. Knowing God caused them to come out of Egypt larger than when they went in should have made them love God and walk in his ways. And they didn't because they didn't appreciate God's multiplication. What would this truth do for you? Would you love God more if you knew he was able to bring you out of a situation with more than when you went in? Would you be better at cleaving unto him if you seen him bring you out with more than you had when you went in? More patience than when you went in? More income than when you went in? More friends than when you went in? Or even better yet, more discernment to know who your real friends are than when you went in. 
And let's consider this, y'all. Let's consider this. One reason God made them to multiply while they were in Egypt was because they kept having babies. They kept having babies, especially baby boys. And God blessed them to reproduce and multiply over the years. In other words, moms and dads were in the tent doing what grown folk do, being intimate. They were being intimate. And God blessed the children of Israel to multiply. Where God sees such intimacy, we can see multiplication. This is one reason why we need an intimate relationship with the Lord. Because where God sees intimacy, we can see him multiply. One reason it could be so hard to love the Lord and live the way he would have us to live is because too many folks in the church never go beyond believing in the existence of God and only calling him if they feel like they need to. We treat him, as I said last week, we treat him like a doctor, a lawyer, or even a plumber. You know, folks that we only call when we feel like we need them. But when there is a worshiper working to, working to develop an intimate relationship with God, God blesses that relationship with multiplication. Maybe today is the day you decide to develop an intimate relationship with God. Have random conversations where you tell him that you love him. Ask him to multiply your strength to avoid temptations. Thank him for how far he's brought you and where he's about to take you. Rejoice in his word and repeat it in your conversations with him. When God, where God sees intimacy, he sees a place where he can make multiplication happen. And here's something for those of you on the come up. Here's a little something for those of you who are yet on the come up, y'all. Watch this. When they were at 70 in number, uh, no one could see them increasing to a level of millions. When they were at the level of 70, it was hard to see them multiplied and becoming millions in population. And you may be at that level of 70 right now. This means that God is just getting started with you. God is able to do a work of multiplication in your life. Don't you know that Sam Walton started Walton's Five and Dime in 1950, but now Walmart is the largest company in the world? You can start small, but God is able to multiply. Jeff Bezos started Amazon in his garage selling used books back in 1994, but Amazon is now the third largest company in the world. You can start small, but God is able to multiply. Everyone on the come up needs to hear this. Don't despise where you are now. God can do a work of multiplication in your life. Don't trip over your current level of 70 in this season. You're just getting started. Somebody needs to type, I'm just getting started. In due season, you can reap multiplied blessing if you faint not. Multiplied, multiplied power of your testimony, multiplied favor, multiplied wisdom, multiplied anointing, multiplied streams of income, multiplied checking accounts, multiplied employees, multiplied locations. Don't trip over your season of only 70. God is able to do a work of multiplication in your life. Eye has not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men what God has in store for those who love him. 
God is able to make multiplication happen in your life. But what really makes God's multiplication, the blessing of multiplication so shout-worthy, is that he made multiplication happen for Israel when Satan was trying to subtract from Israel. I'm saying when Moses told them, when Moses told them how they grew from 70 to as many as the stars in the sky, they should have remembered how the enemy tried to take them out by killing their sons when Pharaoh saw them growing and, and, and about to outpopulate the Egyptians. Pharaoh saw that there were so many Hebrews occupying Egypt, he became intimidated and mandated that all the Hebrew midwives killed the baby boys once they were born. This would keep the Hebrews from reproducing and becoming so large in population. But God made it so that the Hebrew wives don't play and kept birthing the boys. And God kept multiplying Israel while Satan was trying to subtract from Israel. With all of the abuse that was going on, God kept blessing Israel to multiply. With all of that effort to keep them from growing, God kept blessing Israel to multiply. Despite how the enemy tried to subtract from their families from their community from their people God kept blessing them to multiply and this may sound like someone's testimony who's on the stream or the conference call or maybe one of y'all in the sanctuary on today the enemy has been trying to subtract from your life but God keeps on multiplying the enemy has subtracted your loved ones you couldn't be by their side when they transitioned from this side to the other this has put a thorn in your flesh but God multiplied his sufficient grace in your life when you were weak God was your strength the enemy subtracted your job and your income but God multiplied by supplying all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus the enemy tried to subtract your self-worth and your self-esteem, but you humbled yourself and reminded yourself that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You humbled yourself and God multiplied his favor. When Satan tried to subtract in your life, God released blessings of multiplication in your life. Your faith in God has multiplied. Your wisdom has multiplied. Your joy has multiplied. Your tenacity has multiplied. Your fire has multiplied. Your praise has multiplied. Your faithfulness has multiplied. And when Satan tries to subtract, God is able to multiply. Satan thought he was subtracting from Jesus when they put nails in his hands. Satan thought he was subtracting from Jesus when they put a nail in his feet. Satan thought he was subtracting from Jesus when the Lamb of God was lifted high and stretched wide on that cross. But I heard Jesus say, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up from the earth I'll draw all men unto me he thought he was subtracting from Jesus when he died that Friday night but early Sunday morning blessed be the name of our God early Sunday morning God raised him up with multiplied power with all power in heaven and in the earth all power in heaven and in the earth which means since he got up you can get up which means that because he's alive i'm alive because he got up my hope can get up my joy can get up my dreams can get up my anointing can get back up my vision can get back up can i get a witness here and get back up stronger and multiply better than ever I wish I had some help in here. I'm done. I'm supposed to be taking it easy. But somebody needs to understand. When God has multiplied in your life, 
the least you can do is say thank you. When God has brought you out of a situation with more than you had when you went in, the least you can do is say thank you. And if God has done it for you over and over again, over and over again, you've got to live for him. You've got to live as if he's been good to you. Got to live as if you're walking in his ways. If God has blessed you over and over, I need you to praise him over and over. Lift up your hands over and over. Forgive your enemies over and over. You're going to be victorious over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm finished. I'm finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But why is it so hard for me to love him? Why is it so hard for me to love him consistently? Maybe I need to work harder at fearing him. Maybe, maybe I, I know you don't. I know you don't. I'm just... I'm just telling my business before I put the mic down. I, maybe I need to work harder at honoring him and being in awe of him. Maybe, maybe I need to work harder at circumcising my heart and being for real with God. Presenting the real me to God. The me that I can't hide. The me I can't front when I'm in his presence. Maybe, maybe I need to give God full access to my heart. Maybe, maybe I need to do a better job of being grateful when the Lord multiplies in my life, especially when the enemy has been subtracting from my life. I truly believe if we work on these things, for you do know love takes work. Love takes work. If we work on these things, Life going to still be hard. There will still be ups and downs. There's, there will still be some, some successes and some failures. But as we mature, as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ, I do believe being victorious will be a little easier. The victories will keep happening over and over at a multiplied rate. I truly believe if we work on these things for again, Love takes work. Love takes work. Putting a wedding together takes an awful lot of work. Takes an awful lot of work. Keeping a marriage together. Oh, it takes a whole lot of work. It takes a whole lot of work. Birthing a baby is hard work. Raising that baby to be a responsible man, woman who loves God, has their own address, their own bills. That's a whole lot of work. But our God is able. And we must understand love takes work. Is that why it's so hard for you to love God? Is it that you really haven't, you haven't put the work in? You can't just believe in God. You can't just come to church. Love takes work. Work on fearing him. Work on circumcising your heart. Work on being grateful for the multiplied blessings. And I believe over time, 
you'll find the victories a little easier. A, a little easier. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.